and it's not a fact. This is something that gets a lot of us confused, and we look at these impossibilities in our life, and they limit us from fulfilling God's plan for our life to live our calling. And we're going to be doing a Bible study to see what does God say about impossible? What is and what is not impossible? We're going to be looking at that. But first, I want to, I want to share with you about this story. There was a, um, there was a man, uh, Houdini, very famous. He was someone who uh, was a, an escape artist. He was able to escape from anything. You'd hold him upside down and um, and I believe there was one time it was Niagara Falls. He was able to um, escape out of this jacket and and then let himself uh, loose. He was able to um, get out of any lock, any, unlock any door, unlock um, any cage or anything that he uh, was trapped into. And he once made a notion to everybody and he said, you put me in any jail cell in the entire United States and I will be out of it within, um, I think he said an hour or two. And, um, and then he, then there was one jail in a specific town that took him up on his offer. And as he went in there, he was, uh, he came in there and the, the, the whole town was hearing about it. And they were crowding around this jail, and they were all outside. They were waiting. They heard that this man said, you put him in any jail, and he'll be out within an hour. And so they all were, were rushing around his, um, the, this, this jail cell, and the jail guard locked him inside, and he brings him there. And then he says, um, and, and he's just only with his street clothes. So as he goes in there, he pulls out a, a metal a metal pick and he starts working on the lock and he's working at it and as he's going he's just trying different things and he's trying to get this this jail cell unlocked and then time is going forward and he's getting towards the end of his of his time and he's starting to sweat and he seems like he's not making any progress and he is um, he's trying to pick and he's trying to get it and he's doing everything that he possibly can he's starting to get nervous because he knows that the stakes are really high and there's people who are expecting him to get out and he doesn't understand what's going on and he's trying to pick the lock so desperately and, and it's getting so close. He's got five minutes left and, and he, the pressure is intense and he's trying to figure out how to unlock this and he's doing every last thing that he could possibly attempt, all, every trick under his book and he's escaped out of so many things in the past but this, this one lock, he's just unable to open it until finally the time passes and he's like an, he's he's like 20 minutes over and he is just sweating he's he's so nervous he's anxious he's trying to get out of this cell until finally he admits defeat he falls on his knees and he and he just like leans on um, this cell at this cell door and he's just in defeat and then he realizes and and then it like bumps open and then the truth flashes before his eyes and he realizes that the door was ne the, never locked in the first place. That cage was the cage of his own mind. He believed it was locked. The one lock that Houdini himself was unable to lock was the lock of his mind. And a lot of times we have chains, we have cords of iniquity, we have sins, we have beliefs, we have things that in our mind uh, lock us like as in a jail 
And these are the things that prevents us from accomplishing and fulfilling God's plan in our life, in every area of our life. So I want to look at this um, in more detail today. We could see, if, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, Matthew 17, and uh, starting in verse 14, there is this, um, there's this testimony of this certain guy, he's coming to Jesus, and he's saying that my son, he's a lunatic, please help him. I brought him to your disciples, and they were not able to cure him in verse 16. Then in verse 17, Matthew 17, 17, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with thee? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured that very hour. But this is a powerful part. The disciples came to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? They're like, look, Jesus, we did everything you told us to. We, we were trying to cast him out, but it wouldn't work. Why could you do the same thing and not us? And Jesus' answer is profound. Verse 20, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence. To yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible to you. God is revealing here that it is the, the impossibility lies in our unbelief. Just as Houdini believed the door to be locked, that became the impossible lock to pick. To, the impossible wall to go through, the impossible obstacle to open. But Jesus is saying that our belief, it, it, He seems to be indicating that if we determine something is impossible, then um, the, what determines if something is impossible or not is if we believe it to be, then it will be impossible. And we, we can see these principles all throughout the Scriptures. Let's go over to, to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, and we can see uh, in, in verse 21, Jesus is talking to this rich man, and he's saying, like, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, okay, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you're going to have treasures in heaven, and then you can come and follow me. But this young man, he heard that, and he went away sorrowful. He wasn't willing to do that because he had so much possessions. He was very wealthy. And then Jesus turned and he said to his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's verse 24. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Which is really amazing because back in these days the disciples were... The Jewish nation believed that riches was one of the blessings of God. And so if someone was very wealthy, they equated that to being very holy, very close to God, very favored of God. And the poor were looked upon as, uh, those, are, those are peasant, they're not favored, they don't understand, they're, and, and they distanced themselves. So in the disciples' minds, they still had this Jewish uh, falsehood that wealth and riches represented holiness and being close to God. 
And now Jesus, their Savior, is saying how hard it is for a rich, a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they're like, what? You can imagine the grief and the pain that goes through their minds. In verse 25, when the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? They're like, Lord, if the wealthy are rarely entering into heaven, how can anyone be saved? But verse 26, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men it is what? Impossible. It is impossible. But with God, how many things are possible? Oh. All things are possible. So the, def the difference here is with man versus God. This is a key element that we see um, with, with what determines something to be impossible. With us, yeah, there's a lot of things that's impossible for us, but not with God. Uh, but the challenge is, is as we start studying in God's Word and we start to see, um, we start to, as we're being intentional with our devotions and we're studying what is relevant, we're learning to get a definite aim as far as like what is God's will for our life as expressed in His Word and we're studying in our devotions, we're learning more and more about God's plan and His, His glorious truths of living and then He starts revealing to us certain things in our experience that He Want a direction He wants us to go, or a character He wants us to form, or the family He wants us to represent or be a part of, or to participate in, and we start to be like, whoa, I don't know if I could do this. That's, uh, that seems a little far-fetched. And with us, it is impossible, but not with God. But the key is, do you believe it to be? So I want to lay a foundation right now first, is that there are seven areas in our life that God is seeking to, to do the impossible with Him. What are those seven areas? I want to embed this in our minds so we, we really get this. What are these seven areas of life? There's um, family, spiritual, um, character, <laughs> so we got um, I'm a slow writer so we got family we got character you said spiritual what else learning what else health Do you have a list in front of you? Mm -hmm. It's good. You're prepared. What else? Financial. Financial. Social. And social. Good. So these are the seven areas of life that... Does, does God give us counsel regarding our family and how we should raise our children or, or interact as spouses? Does God give us um, counsel regarding our, our character? Yes. And the character of Christ, leaving us an example. Does He show us what we should learn, what we should feed our minds with? Yes. How we should receive education? Mm -hmm. Yes. Does He give us counsel on health? Does God care about our health? Yes. 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. Does he care about finances, our finances in life? Deuteronomy 8.18, God says, It is God that giveth thee power to get wealth. And Proverbs says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he added no sorrow to it. What about social? Does God care about our social, how we relate to one our, our neighbor, loving our neighbor as ourselves? Um, if possible, live peaceably with all men. Yes, definitely. So, these are the seven areas of life. And today I want to challenge you of what you believe is impossible in these areas. Our impossibilities are not so because they're a fact, but what I want to suggest to you is that it's because they're our opinion. Think about all the things that people once thought was impossible. What about the Wright brothers? For them to take an airplane and actually fly, to take a, a vehicle and make it go in the air. Before the Wright brothers did that, they thought it was impossible. There was absolutely no way anyone could fly. And, and it took them several years after they did it before the general population actually believed that they did that. Now we have, we have jets that are going sonic boom at the speed of sound. And we, we have jets that, that carry hundreds of people. Um, but before, that was what was quote-unquote impossible at one time. What about the four-minute mile? The, the, for a very long time, people thought it was impossible to run a four-minute mile until someone did it. And then the moment, what I find fascinating is before this point in history, no one has ever ran a four-minute mile. But the moment one person did, it was a few weeks or a few months afterwards that another man was able to run the four-minute mile. And then shortly after that, another and another and another and another. And then all of a sudden, it was possible. They used to think that if you were going to run for a mile in four minutes, your heart would explode. That you couldn't physiologically do that. That you, like Health-wise, that was an impossibility. It's, it doesn't work. But because someone believed that they could and they set out to do the impossible, then they were a pioneer and led the way that now belief um, sprung up. Now there's a model. Now there's an example. Now people believe that it, is that it is possible. And then there's just one after another, after another, after another, who's running a four-minute mile. So it's a common thing now. But it was all based on their belief, their unbelief or their belief. People don't realize, um, oh, you know what I should do? I should probably go here. Impossible. You know the athletes um, today, if they don't believe that they can learn in four minutes, why would you become the Olympians and stuff for those running areas? Yeah, and didn't Paul say that we are running a race? That we are running a race and we're striving not for the corruptible crown like in the Olympics, how these runners, they would run and they'd even sacrifice their life in these Olympic um, endeavors and all for just the short passing glory. The, the winner of the Olympics would receive this, this uh, leaf 
uh, uh, this uh, this crown of of leaves that are just that they're they're literally going to fade away and they're going to die in a few weeks because they're separated from the vine and they wither. Just like when we separate from Christ, we start to wither and fall away. They do that for an incorruptible crown, but we are running the race for an eternal crown, a crown of gold, a crown that um, that God gives us. So really, um, I wonder what our um, spiritual four minute mile is. It's different. I would suggest that it's different for every person. Our our four minute mile spiritually is what limits us. Some people they don't believe that they can memorize the Word of God because their memory is so bad. They're like, nah. I, I see what God says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, but I can't memorize the word of God. I am, I've done too many drugs, I've destroyed my mind, or I've got this learning disability, or something like that, and it's an impossibility, and we're l locked in this cage because we believe it to be such, not because God hasn't said that the memory of the just is blessed in Proverbs 10.7, or that we could be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, so, I mean, it's different for every person. Some people um, with family. Some people believe that, um, oh, I, I would never make a good spouse because I'm broken. Because my life has, I've gone through so much baggage. I couldn't love the way that I would need to love. I couldn't, or maybe I, I attract the wrong type of person. Or um, I... I wouldn't want to put someone through the things that I, I go through um, or have to have someone to put up with me. So this is my impossibility with our family. Whatever that impossibility is, it's not such because God hasn't said, but because our own belief has put us there in this cage. And it's different for every person. But I just want to challenge us that... Um, <coughs> Whoops. Um, question. Question your impossibles. What do you deem impossible in your life? And, and see, why do you believe that? Because here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. There's thing after thing. Even, what about sailing around the world? The world once thought that if you were to sail around the world, you would actually like fall off the deep end or, or be destroyed by sea monsters or it's just impossible to do that. And then you have Christopher Columbus going on and then he, he set sail and he was found out that there was another place to, uh, to India, which happened to be America. <laughs> but, um, but all of these different impossibilities that people once thought that is now proven to be like, oh yeah, it's just facts. What, what's fact today used to be impossible yesterday. And when we realize how much of what we believe is possible today um, used to be impossible, I hope that would encourage you to just think like, wait a second, reconsider how you look at the word impossible in your life in these seven areas. Like going to the moon. Yep, like going to the moon. So, um, what are some things that God says is impossible? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, we're going to read in verse 26. 
Hebrews 11.26 What does God say is impossible? Um, I'm sorry, I meant to say verse 5. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. Can I get a volunteer to read this? Alright, thank you. This is, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. So, what was impossible here? Without faith? Yeah. What was impossible without faith? To please God. To please God. Yeah. So, the impossibility, again, is with our unbelief. Unbelief is really the... the uh, is more of a closer definition of what makes something impossible. And I really like that because it's talking about Enoch. It's impossible to please two masters. Um, yeah, let's go to um, let's go to Mark chapter nine, verse twenty-two. This is such an encouraging uh, passage. Mark chapter 9, 22 through 24. Cameron, can you read this for us? Okay. 22? Yeah, 22 through 24. Through 24? Yep. Oh, okay. And oft times it hath, sorry, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. So what is a prayer that we can pray if we're realizing that our belief is, is not as strong? Uh, what does God, God want us to pray? Help us with our unbelief. Amen. That we could do that, praise the Lord. If you pray this prayer, you will never perish. If you cast yourself at His feet, you will never perish, ever, because this is the promise in John 3.16. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And it is, is it according to God's will that we believe? Yes. Yes. So we can have the confidence. Let's sing 1 John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us, He heareth us, if we ask anything according to His will. And if we know that He hears us, 
Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, he heareth us. First John 5.14 If we ask anything according to His will. So this is confidence. This is the key. What we have to do is the reason why we can know if something is possible is we must ask for what God has promised. You guys catch that? The problem is, oftentimes we ask for things that God hasn't promised. We ask for things to fulfill our own desire, our unsanctified desires, and therefore, it, that's really not faith, that's presumption. Presumption and faith lie very close to each other, but presumption is when you are claiming God's blessings without fulfilling the conditions. You are asking for things that God hasn't promised. However, faith is when God has spoken, you take His word, you do your part in fulfilling the condition because every promise has a condition. When you do your part, then you trust God to do His. That's true faith. But every command, whether physical or moral, contains or implies a promise. So we can see that um, as we are studying and we're being intentional with our devotions and we're studying about what does God say about family? How should my family be? Even if I'm not married, how do I need to be it as a, in preparation for what God has in store for me? Character. What thoughts and what feelings should I be doing? And sometimes we allow our feelings and our emotions to just get the best of us. They're so overwhelming and we want to act out by these feelings. But the just shall live by his faith, not feelings. So we have to allow our feelings should be under the control of reason and religion from the Word of God and by reasoning. But then we could just go down the line and see we... we as we study what God says about our finances, what should we be spending things on? A lot of times uh, people are poor because they spend money as soon as they get it. And they have no savings. They have no financial uh, definite aim. They don't have, they're just living from paycheck to paycheck without any idea or goal or whatever. And they just buy on impulse. And we, we like that, that, that high, that dopamine that comes from purchasing something new. And then when that wears off, then we are worse off than when we began. While God gives us principles of thrift, and, um, and as we're studying the Word of and Proverbs has a lot to say on that, but as we're studying the Word of God in these seven areas of life, we're going to find that God has an ideal, and we're going to see the, our, the contrast in our own life. And as we see the contrast, we're going to be tempted to have unbelief and say, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. When we're going to, as we read Matthew 28, we see, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Every man, woman, and child is called to teach the gospel, to share the gospel with others. And we might say of ourselves, Well, it's impossible for me to teach the gospel. 
I've got a learning disability. I know for myself, I played video games for way too long and I didn't socialize with people. I didn't have friends. I didn't know how to communicate. What I'm doing now is through painful toil <clears throat> and overcoming much. My first sermon was so terrible and um, it, it was like uncomfortable. I was doing a lot of distracting things and I was trying to speak for an hour and 40 minutes, ended up going two and a half hours and I had more material than I had time and I didn't know how to stop and people were falling asleep. It was hot and muggy and stale in the, in the room and, and the place was packed because I just invited everybody and told them, hey, I just became a Christian. I gave my heart to Christ and I'm going to be speaking in my church. It's my very first sermon. Can you come out and see my first sermon? And people are like, what? That kid just gave his heart to Christ? It's like, this is a miracle. I must come and see. So the, the whole room was packed. It was almost having to stand. There was like no seats. People are like shoulder to shoulder. And there I am just totally uh, fresh, have no public speaking experience whatsoever, or even those social skills. I just had a message to share with others what God has shared with me and no training or skills. And I'm looking at all these people I just invited and I'm just like, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I'm nervous. I'm thinking like, whoa, I've never spoken to a crowd like this. And, and then I just like totally bombed it. And you would think that after an experience like that, I would say, oh, well, this whole preaching thing is definitely not for me. I need to get off. I should not do that again. And begin to think, well, it's impossible for me to be a preacher because did you not just see the first thing that I did? My first attempt failed. Th this isn't God's will for me to be a speaker. I am not a public speaker. So... Uh, let me just quit now. Praise that's God. what I'm, yeah, praise God. That, that's what our mind goes into, the unbelief, the fear, the anguish. But God says, go and teach all nations. And I must listen. His word says, I will give you the words to say. His word says that, that he will teach us. And I have to, by faith, believe that it's like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to do this, but I believe that it is possible. I am compelled to do it because I know that people are hurting because they do not, they have not seen Christ the way that Christ just took my heart. And I need to share this with everybody. So I want to challenge you that when we start to feel that things are impossible, check ourselves. And this is, this is something that um, really confuses us. I believe a lot of times we form this belief based on our experiences. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, I say 1 Peter, but let's actually go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and this is, this is incredible. And we, we can read in, in verse 16. 2 Peter 1, 16. I really like this. And I can read this. 2 Peter 1, 16 through 19. Notice what the Word of God says. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we have made known unto you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we were what? Eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses of His majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a what? Voice. A voice from 
to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Peter saw with his eyes, he heard with his ears, he experienced this eyewitness account and this voice which came down from heaven we heard when we were with Christ in the holy mountain. So on this Mount of Transfiguration, Peter had this one, this incredible experience and he heard the literal audible voice of God saying, this is my son. But, and, and then so many times we feel like, we're like, if only God would just speak to us, if only we can hear God's voice, or we, we try to determine the will of God based on um, our experience, what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we've done, and, and, and what the mistakes that we've made in the past, the failures that we've done. And we see because of these failures, we're like, ah, oh, that means that I, I should never be a speaker, or I should not continue, I should quit. The, the, the story that we tell ourselves, the experience, from an experience, we come to these conclusions and we shape our beliefs. But notice what Peter says in verse 19. We have also a more sure word. What? More sure than what, Peter? Than an eyewitness account of seeing Jesus transfigured on the mount and hearing the audible voice of the Father from heaven. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. That means, listen, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Peter is saying that you can trust the word of God above your own experience. You can trust a thus saith the Lord beyond your own senses beyond what you see, what you feel with your hands, what you hear with your ears, all of the, our experiences is not enough to determine what's impossible and what's not impossible. Just because no one's ran a four-minute mile doesn't mean it's impossible. Just because you've never spoken in public doesn't mean it's impossible. What does God say? God says that He has made the man's mouth so that what I want, to, I want to share with us is that oftentimes we go through an experience, we have this circumstance, this event happens in our life, and then we attach meaning to this event. We attach a story to this experience, and that becomes our belief. But I, I would suggest to you that a lot, a lot of times we attach the wrong belief to the same event. Like for instance, um, there's two ways that you can see this is um, I could see, um, I want to try to write this. We can look at our mistakes, and this is what gets down so many people. We can see the mistake, and, or, or a mistake in a day, and we see, wow, I made this mistake, therefore I am, um, I, I always make mistakes. I've never been able to do this and I messed up. I shouldn't do this again. I am a failure. I don't know what I'm doing. And we, we tell the stories like, I can't do that. I don't know how to. Someone else is better than me. I totally messed up and I shouldn't even try tomorrow because I, I messed up and I did it wrong and I failed and um, that's it. 
And, and we see that mistake and that's what we conclude. That's the belief that we attach to that event. But you can make the same mistake, the exact same event, the same circumstance, but instead attach, you could choose to attach to it, wow, I made a mistake. Praise the Lord for the opportunity to learn what doesn't work. Now I can try something else and see if that does work. Or I can look at this mistake and say, whoa, what can I learn here so that I don't repeat this in the future? And praise God that I had this opportunity because now that I learned this lesson, I know that the next time I do it, I will be even better than before. I can turn this, mis this apparent failure into a victory by learning from it and improving. And I'm excited for tomorrow because not only is this mistake going to prepare me to do better tomorrow, but now that I've gone through that mistake, I can sympathize with those who have gone through similar experience. Like for me, I messed up my first sermon. That was a total, I bombed it. But because of that experience, I can relate with you who might be afraid to speak for Christ, who might be afraid that or maybe have gone through other past experiences where you've tried to share. My mom shares her testimony how the first time she spoke in front of people, she was, she was crying. She was in tears. She was so like her tongue was caught and she, 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 could, she could barely even finish. And, but now she's speaking with enthusiasm, with passion, when she's, she's sharing the Word of God and she's sharing her experience, what God has showed with her, it's night and day difference. But because of that mistake, now I'm greater prepared to sympathize with others. Amen. They're same events, two different stories. Amen. Same event, two different beliefs. So I'm telling you that your, your experience or lack thereof does not determine what's possible or impossible to you it is the belief in the Word of God because Romans Romans uh, says that faith cometh by hearing and by hearing what the word of God. by hearing the Word of God so we see what I'm telling you is not just faith in yourself faith in your, um, in your goals, faith in your, uh, nothing faith in man, because with man, all, everything is impossible. There's nothing possible with man. We are, we are failures. We have fallen short from the glory of God. But the power is in Christ. Mm -hmm. It is faith in Christ, faith in His Word. Because the more of God's Word that you flood with your mind, the more that you study the Word of God, that you become acquainted with the will of your Maker in all seven areas of your life, the more that you understand God's glorious plan, it inspires faith in you. And you allow God's Word to dictate, to decide the meaning that you place on your experiences and circumstances. I know for myself, for many years as a child, I was trapped with depression, discouragement from age 11 to 16. I was so focused on these um, traumatic experiences that I, um, like, I, or like for instance, like I grew up without a father and so I thought that I was, I'd be this victim and I didn't have a, a, someone who I could look up to or someone that I could, uh, who can help me and train me and guide me. And it really bothered me for several years and sometimes um, I felt that I was alone and, and I was, like abandoned or something, and these, these issues, they really trapped me in this own cage of my devising. 
it wasn't until I began to realize Deuteron I've read Deuteronomy and it changed my life forever. It, in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, this changed everything for me in Deuteronomy 30, 19. We can turn there, this concept, and I, I want to communicate this to you. If this is one thing that you get from this, I want you to know how this plays in. My whole life was in, dis, in despondency and discouragement and uh, despair because I didn't understand the principle taught in this verse. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, and that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, what? Choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. You're choosing life not only for yourself, but your seed too. Yes. Yes, that's so true. And here we see that the um, God is telling us the choice is ours. I realize that I cannot change my circumstances, but I can choose my reactions. My circumstances don't have to shape me. These things that are out of my control, like growing up without a father or um, ha not having this, this support that I thought I needed when I was younger or, or uh, not having the experience when I spoke my first message and then just bombed it. There's a lot of things that are outside of my control that I didn't have um, control over, but I can't allow those things to shape who I am. I have to, um, I get to choose my reaction. I get to choose life. And that's the same thing that we're, when you go through these experiences, you choose to, to, to say that's a curse or choose to see the blessing in that. When you look at the, oh, let's go to Song, uh, Song of Solomon. Oh, I love this. Song of Solomon, chapter um, 2, verse 2. Song of Solomon 2, 2. Who would like to read this for us? I can. Alright, thank you. As a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Did you catch that? Even, so, the thorns came as a result of sin in Genesis chapter 3. Before there was flowers everywhere in the Garden of Eden, but then when sin entered the world, it said, Cursed be the ground for thy sake, thorns and thistles shall bring forth, and in sorrow thou shalt uh, till the soil. So this, uh, but God says that even with the curse, there's the blessing of the lily. There's the blessing of the rose. You can look at the rose and say, oh, who put these thorns? Ow, these thorns, they're all over this rose bush. Or you can say, wow, look at the beautiful flower that God put among the thorns. I'm so glad He didn't just bring a bush of thorns, but He loved us enough to mingle justice and mercy. And you can see as a rose among the thorns, that represents the love of Christ. Even further than that, if you read verse 1, Song of Solomon 
I am the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valleys. You can see that that rose represents Christ. And you can see with God, all things are possible, but not with man. So I say that because um, you have a choice. Matthew 7, 7 says, Seek and ye shall find. What you focus on, you find if you choose to focus on your mistakes, your failures, your inabilities, your issues and your challenges, and you're constantly affirming these things in your mind and your heart and your life and repeating them to others, then you're going to find failure as you look for failure. But you can choose life and you're always going to be in awful peril until you understand the true force of your will. Do you realize that... Um, what did you just say? You, you won? Let's go to 1 John 5, 4, and I'll tell you. 1 John 5, 4. And we can sing this song, too. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, even our faith. And this is a victory, 1 John 5, 4, even our faith, even our faith. So the victory that overcomes, the victory that overcomes circumstance, the victory that overcomes impossibility, the victory that overcomes our mistakes, our failures, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. What I was saying is that you will always be in awful peril. You'll be in danger until you understand the true force of your will. We have been created free moral agents. There is nothing in this world that can force our will. Not even God Himself is going to force our will. Because if God forced us to love Him and to obey Him, then it really wouldn't be out of love. It wouldn't, true love requires voluntary service. We have to choose to elicit, to, to surrender our will to Christ. We have to choose to say, Lord, not yours, but my will be done. Yes? I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? You'll always be in peril. You'll always be in awful peril until you understand the true force of your will. Thank you. You choose what you believe is impossible. You choose whether you are going to be all that God has called you to be physically, intellectually, spiritually, financially, socially, with family. You're choosing day by day. When you go and when you read the Word of God and God says to love your enemies, do good, bless those that curse you, and you're like, nope. It's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not God. I'm not Christ. Christ could do that, but I'm not Him. That's a choice. And we are choosing to fall short of the glory of God. We don't have to fall short of His glory. By Christ, it is possible that we can live a victorious life, even our faith. That's what makes the difference. So it's a choice. I, I want us to see 
that what makes something impossible is choice. What you're really, if you're saying that it's impossible for me to change, what you're the impossibility doesn't lie in God's promises. The impossibility lies in your own will. And once I began to realize this, it changed my entire experience. It changed everything. Because no longer did I have to be shaped by my circumstances, but I was able to look at my circumstances as instruments to work. This is what we have to fulfill God's plan. Our Father is rich in resources. Our Father is, if we lack wisdom, we can ask of Him who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. So what I was, what I was going, what I was mentioning about um, with with our experiences, it's it's his reason. Sometimes we have some unsanctified reason that wants to exalt above the word of God. Let's go over to um, Acts chapter seventeen. I really like this verse, Acts seventeen and verse two. How are we to reason? Some things are reasonably impossible. Some things are reasonably possible. But what, what makes the distinction between impossible and, and not? And, and how can we know what's reasonable to do and what's unreasonable to do? What should we, our reason come from? Um, who would like to read this? I can read it. Okay, thanks, Caddy. Uh, Acts 17.2. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. So he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Now what does that mean? He used the Scriptures to reason with them. Yeah, the reason doesn't come from our experience. The reason, our experience is interpreted by the Scriptures. Our reason doesn't come from science. Science is interpreted by the scriptures, all true science. Otherwise, it's falsely so-called, science falsely so-called. So what I'm sharing is that in our, in our reasoning of what is a possible uh, accomplishment, what's impossible, is we have to ask the question, has God spoken it? What saith the Scriptures? How readest thou? What does the Word of God say on this subject? Anytime you set out to do anything, anytime you take on a new responsibility, you have a new phase of life, you move to a new place, you're trying to learn a new skill, whether you are um, trying to learn a new subject, whether you are um, doing something you've never done before, the first place we should go is to the Word of God. Be intentional with our devotions, studying what's relevant, and gather together all the scriptures that we can on that skill, that responsibility, that, that new phase of life that we're in, and we can see what are the examples in God's Word that we can find that show us um, insights. What is God's will? Because here's the thing, God has promised and if God has spoken, this is what makes it impossible. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. 
and verse 18. Hebrews 6.18. Carmen, can you read this? That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. What's it impossible for God to do? To lie. To lie. To lie. Now what does this mean in a practical sense in our experience? It is impossible for God to lie. That means if His Word spoke it, it is so. That means if we reason out the Scriptures and we find what the Word of God says on these seven areas of life in something one at a time, and we begin to understand more of God's plan for our life, we can by faith know it's like, wait a second, I can live that life. I can be like Christ. I can reflect His character. I can think His thoughts. I can... I can have this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. As Philippians 2.5 says, that um, I don't have to be broken, because God came to bind up the brokenhearted in Isaiah 61. And um, so once we recognize the impossibility is in, in God, not like it is impossible for God to lie, then we realize that the question is, do we believe God's Word? Do we believe in our experience? Because every time that you're saying, I cannot, you're saying, I will not. Um, if God has commanded you to do something, to go forward. I mean, there's so many examples all throughout the Scriptures of when it seems so impossible. There is insurmountable obstacles. There's opposing circumstances that were so high. Challenges that are unprecedented. And we get to this Red Sea and we realize that everything is stacked against us. We have Pharaoh, his chariots and his hosts. They're, his armies are just following in behind. They're pressing forward. They're out to kill us. We're not trained soldiers. We're just slaves getting coming out of Egypt. We're, we're being fallen from this guy that we think is going to deliver us, but now we're starting to feel that this guy's out. He brought us out here to die. And, and we're here at this Red Sea, and there's just like, there is no way out. We know that God's Word said that it go forward and to come out of Egypt, let my people go. But every, all our senses around us says the complete opposite our experience, our education received in Egypt, our lifestyle in Egypt, everything that we've learned and known and we've seen is all pressing against us. And especially in these last days, we're going to come to times when deception is so rampant, when all our senses feels as though that uh, this can't be true, that the truth that God's saying is, is not so. And, and uh, there's these tests that comes to every soul. And we're, we're questioning, am I going to obey God by faith? Or am I going to trust my circumstances? Am I going to allow my circumstances to determine my decisions? And um, my appeal to everybody is that we would really... My goal is to help you to see that 
Impossible is an opinion, it's not a fact. Every fact that we see now used to be impossible in the past, many of them. And when we recognize that, we begin to realize the only true standard of possibility is in the Word of God. And, and it is our faith in that Word that's going to determine whether or not we can or cannot do something. And if we don't believe it to be possible, like that four-minute mile, we will not attempt. Many accomplish little because they attempt little. So what I encourage us to do is go through the Word of God, be acquainted with one of these areas of life, one at a time, and just see the areas that we are weak. Where can we be strengthened? By hearing the Word of God and believing uh, that all His commands are promises. And if God has spoken it, take it personally. Don't apply it to someone else. And we will see that there is a transformation of the life, of the heart, of everything. And um, if this is your will to understand God's will and to really apply His, um, His promises to your life, then I encourage you to, uh, to close with me with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, giving us your word that we can understand for ourselves what your plan is for our lives. Father, thank you for uh, giving us guidance to know more about where the impossibility is. Too often we look at ourselves and we see the inability, we see our broken promises and our commitments, our past and our failures and experiences. We look at these things as evidence of no hope in the future. We look at these things as evidence that we cannot change. And the truth is we cannot of our own. With man it is impossible, but not with God. With you all things are possible. Father, we believe. Help us. Help us with our unbelief. And give us the faith of Jesus as we see the commandments of God, that we might see the promises that you have given in equipping us to be all that Christ has left us as an example. Give us the faith that can turn mountains into molehills, that can remove the greatest obstacles because we're believing and asking for those things that you have promised. Help us not to be presumptuous on paths where that you have not promised and help us to be acquainted thus with your promises in our devotions, in our time with you, that we can maximize the um, communion that we have with you, the guidance and direction that we find from your word. We pray for your, your love and your care. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much for watching and I'm, um, I want to encourage you that remember, God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called.